You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. With the 20th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Kadarius Toney, wide receiver, Florida. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, I'm uh, I'm about to turn 49 in four days, and so that means I've been watching sports for a good 40 years, and I can't think of a worse day I've had watching sports that didn't involve a Florida football loss in 40 years. I mean, never mind, you know, we'll talk, obviously this show is just science and not just Rays, but... You compound the brutal way the Rays lost game three last night, you know, with an obviously rigged um, Major League Baseball trying to keep the Red Sox in as long as they can with just a debilitating loss by the Giants. Now, not never mind they lost to your one of your biggest rivals, but the way it went down and just the, you know, the hopelessness we have this year with, you know, the injuries and stuff. It's I don't know if I've ever felt worse, you know, at 11 o'clock at night for just watching sports. This was tough because it wasn't one loss. It was like 12. Um, yeah. The Giants rolled into this game with a surprise. I mean, it wasn't really a surprise. Over the weekend, there was, there was some talk about Andrew Thomas limping a little bit. You know, I even flippantly was like, you know, well, I mean, my comment was more towards like, if he has to play, what percentage is he going to be at? My reminder was that he played most of last year on a bum foot anyway. Uh, so I would... If he plays at 75% or whatever, like, I was going to be okay with it. But I really didn't expect him to be out. Um, and, uh, yeah, Andrew Thomas was was determined to be out at the start of the game, which initially signaled pretty much demise. But I couldn't have imagined this loss would have also in- involved Saquon Barkley on an unrelated injury and a completely fluky injury that could have happened to me. I mean, honestly, yeah. walking around my apartment, um, Daniel Jones with probably one of the, you know, <laughs> I, I've i talked to people before about like gruesome looking broken limbs and stuff like that. And I, I can kind of handle that stuff. But what, what I actually can't handle was, was looking at uh, people the way that I saw Daniel Jones after he got smacked in the head, really, uh, on on. You know, on a football play, nothing, nothing flagrant or you know illegal oh. about it. But truly, I mean, stumbling around, he is out to lunch in outer space. Had no clue he was the quarterback for the Giants in that moment, and that yeah. to me is tough to watch. Um, and then you know, Kenny Galladay hyperextends his knee, completely random. Matt Skura had some injury, I believe he was pointing at his leg. Is all I've heard about this. Kadarius Tony fought through an ankle injury like a pro, but I mean. He's going to be, he, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be a little bit week to week, day to day. And, um, something happened to Rodarius Williams where he left the game too. And I couldn't really follow up on any of that information either. But I, I mean, it's like a who's who's list of people we were excited about. Well, it's the hope for the future of those guys, isn't it? Isn't it Daniel Jones? Isn't it Saquon Barkley? Isn't it Kadarius Tony? Isn't it Kenny Galladay? It's kind of why we're Andrew Thomas. Yeah. It's yeah, all I, those guys. I, I mean, if we're, we know what we are now and, you know, we're trying to decide if we're just a loser or a bad team, those are the the guys who are going to pull us out of this malaise and they all drop like flies. 
Uh, I, I do want to preface this show by, and I'm sure if you follow me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, you know I did have divided attention during the game. So I was spending 90% of my focus watching baseball, and I did have the Giants game on the TV like over here. So I knew what was going on, but I really didn't until I got into my um, – I watched the replay of it this morning. So, uh, you know, Grump, you're going to have to kind of take a little bit more of the lead. You know, you take the great lead already in this, but, you know, you're going to be more the expert on this game. But I know enough to know that I didn't like what I saw, you know, obviously the injury standpoint, but just, you know, how this defense was playing. This, this was going to be very, very difficult to win, even if we were at full strength. And that's what's depressing. Yeah, the defense was bad. Um, overall, I, I mean, you know, we knew going. I don't want to. I don't want to grade this game or, or provide commentary on this game outside of what my expectations were going into this. I knew that stopping the run was going to be both very important to staying involved in this game and you know staying competitive. And also going to be a really tough ask for a defense that has not sufficiently stopped the run yet in 2021. They've looked bad since the preseason. I think I just kind of lightly mentioned it here and there. But I didn't harp on it because it's stupid preseason. What do I care, you know? And then, you know, some of the games can be circumstantial and game planning, you know, against particular opponents. So you don't want to make that you know, into a whole narrative. But at this point, I haven't seen good run defense from this team. And this was going to be a tough one anyway, but they were like, I mean, to say outmatched, I need a better vocabulary. I mean, they, they were on the oh, run. I mean, at one point, they Dallas converted a first down and after the conversion committed a personal foul penalty. The next play, I think this is correct, on one toss out to Bernard Pollard, they gained all of it back in yeah. one play, one running and also, play. If you just look at Dallas and just look, you know, you can tell when a team doesn't respect the other team that they're playing. You know, oh, well, uh, Kellen Moore at a certain point was just toying with us. I mean, they they well, ran a brilliant. Okay, hang on. The Fox broadcast couldn't get over how brilliant it was to run a fake toss that then becomes a flat route. Um, I, I mean, to me, that wasn't really all that brilliant. That's really just a different form of play action becoming well, a flat route. Well, that's Aikman having his, you know, his tongue up their ass anyway. Though. Oh, that, yeah. That's no, I'll, yeah. I'll get into all that. But, there's a baseline with that, so. But, but, but Kellen Moore did actually drop something brilliant, and it was something that is a huge deficiency in this defense. This defense has to crack down and swarm on the ball. So what they did was they ran... Like uh, like a wide receiver screen to the side where they had two, you know, screens. So they had blocking wide receivers, I guess. And really it was just a pass. But it was a throw all the way to beat us deep. And it they, we absolutely 100% bit on it. Every corner left their guy to swarm up on the... On the receiver, and he just—it was—I believe—I think it was Cedric Wilson throwing to Ceedee Lamb, who was so wide open it wasn't funny. Only reason it wasn't touchdowns because it was probably the worst pass I've ever seen in my life. But I mean, even little things like you know when noted domestic violence master, um, you know Ezekiel Elliott is goose stepping into the end zone. Yeah. Because he's—he's so there's no one within him within 20 miles. I mean, that's the type—the type of disrespect that when you just don't have respect for the team you're playing against. And you could just see it, like on the sideline, and just their reactions of, of, of the Cowboys after plays and stuff, because they're having so many big plays and just the ease of what they were doing. And you know, I don't know, Grump. I mean, 
think of where we were this time last year. You know, the, the complete chaos that Dallas was in. I mean, we were no beauties either, but it just seems like in the course of one year, Dallas is completely different, and we are still kind of stuck in the mud. And that's frustrating to me. I... We yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say hold it, hold it a little bit on Dallas. I didn't say they're going to the Super Bowl, but I'm saying from where they were, where they were last year as part of the lower part of a bad pack, they are clearly the best team in this division right now. Well, they, I mean, not not to turn this into a Cowboys podcast, but they they had some, they did some. One year did a lot for them, you know. I mean, they 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 shredded off some contracts. I don't think they really needed. Um, I mean, uh, um. Who's the corner they lost? I didn't think it was all that much, you know. Um, Byron, Byron, Byron Jones, Byron Murphy. I forget. I forget his name. Um, yeah. I don't think he's that good. They 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 lost him. You know, they switch out defensive coordinators is a big thing. They had a bunch of guys signed to like one year deals last year that didn't pan out. And they have like McCoy that immediately got injured, um, and stuff like that. So they had some turnover that where a year off. You know it, that that year advancement did a lot for them, allowed them to do a lot of things. You know, Dan Quinn alone is is a is a really big step that only would have happened advancing it one year. I mean, he was a head coach last year, was he not? Or was he? No, he was out. I think the year before. Was I he? Think, I think I believe so. Um, oh no, 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 he was out last year. He was out last year. He got a job. Yeah, because we were saying he'll get a job immediately somewhere, and he would go. He got one. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, that does a lot for them. Also, you know, second year in Mike McCarthy's system. So, uh, and, and quite frankly, they have a lot of personalities on the team that just that just straight up quit on them early on in that year. So there's a lot of things that go into why is Dallas Dallas and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, that's so. my point. <laughs> all these things did happen, though. You know, and it's, yeah, it's oh, very, yeah, and, and I don't, it's very frustrating. So it's this is one of the things that really, really frustrates me is that, you know, the only true super disappointing things I think about this Giants roster for me is Matt Parrott's lack of development on the right tackle side and I'll, I I don't want to completely shut that down. I'll, I'll get into the Dallas game version of that yeah, in a but minute but that, though, but but that and that, the run defense. I, other than that I haven't really seen I, I don't know I, the, the, I, guess, I guess the pass rush and the run defense are Two things. And the running game. The running game sucks too. I mean, well, that, I, I can't even yeah. – how can I possibly comment on that without the starting left guard at any point this year and the starting center right. after but it like is what a it minute? Is. I mean it's it, – But, but it, I'm t- going – my expectations, I'm not – I can only be disappointed for my own expectations. And if you told me that Nick Gates and Shane Lemieux were going to be out and we'd be – pulling guys in off the scrap heap the day before games and shit like that, I would have told you immediately the running game would be nothing. There would be no yeah. chance. So I, see what you're saying. I, I, I have no barometer of what this team was supposed to be this year. I have no gauge. And now I have even less of a gauge. I was hoping to, by week six, week seven, have some level of understanding of this team. You know, Shane Lemieux aside. but We were hoping, my gauge was, and I think you, you hit the point, is I expected this team to build on a very strong defensive performance last year, mm-hmm. and they picked up some pieces that would make it even better. And another year together, uh, you know, other than losing Dalvin Tomlinson, you know, basically. And, and the thing is, the the the, uh, the run defense up the middle isn't nearly as bad as it is on the edges. I mean, if people don't just gashes up the middle all the time, it's 
They go right. I mean, I have it on my notes here over and over. Running right, running right, running right. You know, getting six, seven, eight yards. Third and three, no problem. Running right, getting it. It's not like it's, you know, you know, they're just like it's a sieve right up the middle or anything. So that's the biggest issue with me, the disappointment on this team. It's just I expected this to be a top 10 defense, and this is a – I don't know what the numbers are, but we're like a bottom 10 defense right now. I, I wouldn't – I would disagree with anything that had us above 32. I mean, I don't – we're bad. They're, they are bad. And, you know – The question is why. I think some of it is Dalvin Tomlinson. They tried their best to replace him using different people, and it didn't work. Danny Shelton is bad. I can say definitively through week five he has been a major disappointment. And I didn't expect him to be some all-world but, – but, but, I mean, getting blown off the ball by a single guy – is not what I expected from Danny Shaw. I expected at least stalemate that. Um, yeah. He's been bad, and there, you know, some of that run defense. Some of it is Blake Martinez. I mean, that's our leading tackler. He's like the NFL leading tackler year after year. That's going to be huge. But when did he get hurt? Week four. Week two. Was it week two? It was the home game. Week three. It was. Um, I mean, it it was essentially yeah. It was it was the Falcons game. But this, we this defense, this defense was disappointing before that point too. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, not... it's making the snowball roll down the hill faster, but it's not all of a sudden there was like he was gone and there was a drop off. This defense was underachieving, you know, from the opening kickoff this year. I, yeah, but I, I think it's been ex- compounded by the lack yeah. of Blake Martinez for sure. That's the snowball. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. It was bad. Now, now it's not going to get any better. Um, and, and you know, to their credit, I think Reggie Ragland and, and Tate Crowder have, have performed admirably in his role. Uh, you know what I mean? They, they've they've tried. I mean, Tate Crowder is still really young. So, yeah. um, but I mean, the story the story of this game, though, and the worry about you know the the short term and intermediate term future is these injuries. I mean, it's just you know we don't know how long Daniel Jones is going to be out for. I really don't know. I mean, and concussions are weird because. I don't know his concussion history, but I'm certain that whatever I Google won't be accurate. Um, you know, a lot of people. I mean, no, really. I mean, seriously, yeah. how many of these people have concussions in high school? It goes unreported. You know, sure. I, they, they they practice on their own their whole life too. I mean, any number of things can happen to these kids that is unreported. So, if you've made it to the NFL, I guarantee you, no matter who you are, your concussion number of how many times is, is off. Scrambled a few times, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that's part of it, but I mean I mean that one looked brutal. That one really seemed to I mean there are times where you hear guys have concussions and all they did was kind of fall funny and you know, they looked fine, but you know, the doctors like, yeah, he got a concussion. I mean that one it was it was beyond immediate. He didn't get up, and when he when he bigger. got up, he was in field of dreams, man. He was wandering yeah. through corn. He really had no fucking clue where he was. That was that. I am I am still right now Monday evening worried about him seriously. Um, that one that um, should we get into why that play pissed me the fuck off? Because that's a little bit of a rant. I can skip it for now. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, I hated that. The playoffs, you might as well go ahead. Look, it's the Reds. The play calling in this has been aggressive. Jason Garrett has kept his foot on the gas pedal, you know, through a couple weeks now. I'll give credit for that. But the red zone play calling has still not gotten better. And this was a particularly pathetic sequence of events here. So I'll just kind of breeze through it without getting too mad as best as I can. The Giants line up in some strange looking formation with like. 
some kind of like wing set off to the friggin' right, or I don't know, some three tight end looking set to the right with a single back setup with Saquon Barkley or whoever. No, it couldn't have been. It had to be Booker. The Barkley's already gone. Yeah. Um, they line up and they run it, but it gets blown dead because of a timeout. So they've already technically run it. It, it. They've seen it. They know the play. We line up after the timeout and we run it again. Predictably, it doesn't get in the end zone. Okay. We run it a second time on second down. It still doesn't go in. So what do we do? On third down, we run the bootleg off of the exact same play. The bootleg... The bootleg works only partially because of quarterback's athleticism. Bootlegs... Peyton Manning runs bootlegs. It's not about athleticism. It's about the sheer surprise of it. There is zero level of surprise... When th- there's no surprises when you run the same play three times. They know times every the variation of everything to look out for when you run a play like that. Now, part of that also is I I could wring Kyle Rudolph's neck for his pathetic attempt at a block on that play. <laughs> I mean, in, that play was pretty much doomed, but maybe Daniel Jones maybe gets to the pylon or something if there's only one defender there, but there's two because Kyle Rudolph pretty much shoved the guy and then like walked away from the play. Yeah. And he would continue that attitude later when Kadarius Tony got wrestled to the ground and body slammed uh, late after the whistle. He just kind of threw his body in there and then put his arms up and walked away. And then turned around and acknowledged that there was a scrum going on and just continued to walk. Um, so, well, how many times? Breath. How many times have we had, you know, a red zone situation or goal to goal? And again. If it's even third down, if at all, do we even make an attempt to throw the ball in the end zone? I mean, it's, it is so predictable on first down, this team is running the ball. The worst part of that sequence, by the way, is that after Daniel Jones' concussion, we lined up on fourth and goal and just had Devontae Booker dive over the pile for a touchdown. Yeah. Boy, that was tough. <laughs> I mean, anything, any play. I wish, dude, you know... For years, and I guarantee you right now, if I were to just be a guest on a Seahawks podcast, I could bring up the the goal line play in the Super Bowl, and it would spark a, a debate over whether or not that was the right play call. And, you know, this is years removed from that. I wish you and I could be having arguments like that, where it's an actual debate over whether or not it was a smart play call. There's no debate here. This is this is pathetic. This is like this is literally somebody playing Madden, running the same play three times in a row. I, I I can't even believe that I was as calm as I was watching it, just like shaking my head in frustration. Like I should have been screaming at my TV like a. We're just bit. getting numb to it. I mean, we are just getting numb to just bad red zone play calling. And I don't. It's not like we have no weapons. I mean, why we have a Kyle Rudolph? Isn't that why we uh, we got him? To block. Or to be an end zone threat? To be, to be an end zone threat. Yeah, I'm that's sure he's probably, wondering what the fuck he's doing here exactly, at this point. That's probably why he doesn't care anymore. It's like yeah. I was brought in here under false pretenses. I'm just sitting here doing nothing. He's probably super frustrated. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, here off off season, all these weapons we have, all these weapons. Well, it comes it comes down to you know, in the end zone, we're doing nothing. We're trying we're trying nothing to use advantages we have, physical advantages or anything, and it's just. You know, it shouldn't be that difficult to score once you're in there. It shouldn't be that pathetic. I mean, like, it's one thing to be bad, but I mean, it's like, 
it's almost like you're relying entirely on athleticism at the goal line, it seems like. Like, there's no attempt to make, like, a strategic advantage. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's like, what I'm trying to say. It really, it really looks like it's just like, we're going to just pound it home. And, like, that's okay if that's, like, your identity. Is that our identity? Is pounding the ball? It's clearly not working. Better at, not be. In, in any part of the field, at any given moment, in any game against any opponent, we are not pounding the ball fucking anywhere. Remember, so why is this our identity where we're just going to pound the ball in the end zone? It's just going to fucking work. Because that's our culture. And this goes back to my rant from a couple of weeks ago that pound the rock, hog mollies, you know, lunchbox, you know, all that nonsense. And that's not what we are. That's not how we we're built, you know, due to injury or for whatever roster construction. That's not what we are. That's what we want to be for some reason, but we aren't. And I don't know why the play calling reflect something that we want to be as opposed to what we are. I'm like I'm like okay with running the ball there. It's just like run something that is creative. I mean like yeah. what, what what would you do if you saw Daniel Jones take a shotgun snap and do a jump pass Tebow style to Caden Smith? Would your jaw hit the floor and your tongue unroll <laughs> like a red carpet? I don't know what I would do if I saw Jason Garrett call that shit. How about just a quick two-yard slant or something? I mean, anything of any imagination or anything that's just not so predictable Yeah. at this I, point. I, now, it doesn't have to be fancy like that, like a, a memorable play call. Like, you know, <laughs> something that, you know, makes the defense pause and be like, oh, these guys are going out there. They're just not running around like fools. They may actually be targeting them. I would say now our best – method of surprise is our own predictability they're really gonna run that play at third oh they yeah. really ran it again yeah i i i don't even know um uh i i'm really frustrated because every red zone trip seems to be highlighted by some i want to be able to complain about something other than jason garrett or, or well, just coaching but well, I, it's so hard the frustrating part about it grump is that to get to the red zone, we're seeing some impressiveness on the offense. Yes. We're seeing Daniel Jones move the ball down the field. We are seeing playmakers make plays. You know, we're seeing the emergence of Kadarius Tony, which we knew all along this is what he has the potential of. He's actually, a game like that's actually exceeding potential of what I think he could be. But the thing is, we are moving from 20 to 20, but it's all just the creativity and the the, the, the the personnel just gets sucked out the window once, you know, we get in the red zone, and I don't understand it. Is it because of a is it a fear of Daniel Jones from 2019 that he'll be a fumble machine or a turnover machine? I that really they just don't know. I, I have no idea. Hmm? I don't know. I, I wish I had an explanation because it's a totally valid and uh, not it's not an uncommon thing for a team to be – um, to be good at moving the ball downfield, but struggle in the condensed space of the red zone—that's that's a—that's that's a fairly common thing. We've heard of that before, but well, it's—it doesn't seem that that's our case because we're just running stupid, different plays. That like, well, as soon as you see it, you're like, why would we run an end around to Evan Ingram on the one yard line? Like, yeah. we're not at the fifteen or the or the ten or it's like we're anywhere to create, like a trying to create like a sports center highlight more than just get the seven he's got to go one yard this way we're making him run 58 yards that way why against 11 other guys moving laterally i don't it's oh it's always it's like it's highlighted by shit like that 
it's like in his contract, he has to run it one time, a, 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 you know, one time a game when he's in the red zone, he has to run that play. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it seems like there's something that doesn't, like there's an, an X factor that we're not factoring in why this is happening. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do want to talk about Kadarius Tony for a little bit though, because uh, he was beyond, um, beyond exceptional. Uh, I mean, and, and some of those catches, I think like the last two catches probably, which was the possession in which he was ejected, um, those were kind of the result of Dallas playing off. They had a fairly comfortable lead. They're letting us waste time, you know, kind of things. But it was still the yak that he was getting after the fact was electric. Yeah. Um, and and it, was, it was more than probably any other receiver would get. Maybe, maybe Sterling Shepard has some pretty sweet moves in small spaces, but... He doesn't have um, nearly the moves that Kadarius Tony does. No, not, especially not with a with a full head of speed. But he's but, looked twitchy this year, but not at the level Kadarius Tony's capable of. Yeah. No. 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 I, I totally agree. Um, but that. But what I didn't expect out of Tony at all were like his first two catches were ridiculous. Like on the sideline. I mean the the first catch that Daniel Jones had of the day was honestly a complete prayer. He mm-hmm. just knew he had one on one coverage. He had two guys in his face immediately, just kind of shuffled to his right to buy enough time for Tony to get some level of depth on his route, and just heaved it. And, you know, to be fair to Daniel Jones, that was incredibly accurate for how for how that was launched. But, I mean, Tony not even having, not even just having the concentration to make the catch, but how he got his feet in bounds was, a, you know, fairly good stroke of luck, but and those unbelievable catch. And those are two things that, you know, he's known for being a twitchy guy and being a human joystick and all that stuff. He was not really known, especially in the beginning of his career at Florida, for having the greatest hands. Like mm-hmm. last year was the first year it was like, this guy is a reliable pass catcher first. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all the stuff, you know, once he caught the ball. So to see this continued progression of him to having more reliable. Now he's not going to be perfect. He's going to have his drop or two. He he had a drop in this game. I believe it was Daniel. It was um, early this, on his first target. I think. Yeah. So I mean, he's still a work in process in, in, in that regard. But just again, you guys are seeing him. The vast majority of you. This is only like the fourth game you've seen him play. I've seen him play 35, 40 games, and mm. even see the year over year from this year to last year. Because um, he was not the number one target last year. Was, this team was, you know, had guys up and down the roster of, of talent all over the place. Um, but yeah, it's it's really encouraging. You know that that's the good side of Kadarius Tony. Bad side. Well, the fight. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping that this got out of his system real early. Um, I'm hoping that because, you know. I obviously don't know what's being said in between. It's clear that there was a lot of chatter the whole game between all of the players. Uh, so there's that going on. But in terms of like, you know, in terms of the play itself, it's something that happens probably in every football game at one point to somebody where there's just kind of this pile and then, you know, they're blowing the whistles, they're blowing it dead. And then like really, really late, somebody gets dumped and it usually gets flagged. Um, you know, whatever. My point isn't that he doesn't need to stand up to himself or that I'm mad at him for fighting. It's just that if you're going to fight, make it worth it. And to me, that situation's going to happen to you a lot. So if yeah. that's when you decide you're going to start throwing fists, 
I think you should double check your standards a little bit. And again, I don't know obviously what's going on in between. You know, maybe he, at the bottom of the pile he's poking him in the eye or something. I really don't know. Who knows, right? Maybe I'm totally wrong about this situation that he's in. But if, if it's just that, he's going to have to deal with that. And if he's throwing fists every time, he's going to get ejected every time. He's going to have a real short time in the league. Well, I think this kind of builds on what I mentioned earlier where, I, you know, for me watching the tape, it looked like a team that didn't respect the Giants. Yeah, you know, I get they, that. They were, mm-hmm. they were be, you know, they are they're, – they're a bunch of dicks anyway, that team. They always have been. But, you know, like I said – you know, Ezekiel Elliott goose-stepping into the end zone and just, you know, the over-the-topness of some of their stuff. And, you know, they're a division rival, and you know how important this game is, and they're kicking your ass and everything. And, you know, frustration mounts. And, hey. you know, and it's going to be a problem because Kadarius Tony had a rough offseason. He, he's very flashy, plays the same position as one Odell Beckham did. So, you know, a very lazy group of journalists, fans – callers, whoever, are going to go from A to B to Z really, really fast. Oh, and, I mean, there's people who are itching to do that from the offseason, too. I mean, right. they, they have their, their pencils sharpened and their notebooks out. So Yeah, I mean, all the stuff that's gone on with Kadarius Tony in the offseason, I wouldn't classify any of it as in the diva bucket, like things like Beckham was doing. You know, his injuries, just unrelated stuff things that just when they start adding up it appears worse than it is having all that kind of going into this in a fight that's not going to help his q rating uh you know but i i I don't know i I, he'll learn very quickly from this that it's unacceptable and untolerated Mm. you know on this team and in the league and i'm sure he'll he'll think twice before doing that again but it's not like he's just someone whose ego is you know, a, a diva's ego is swollen, and he just lasts back. I think there was a lot going on. Yeah, that led to this. I agree, and it's also he's he's really getting a taste of himself in the NFL. Um, there's a lot that goes into. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really care that he got into a fight in this game. You know, it, it's not really my my worry is for him. You know what I mean? The, the people have already been after him from from the get go. You know, and again, it started. It initially started with. You know, things are outside of his yeah things are outside of his control who's drafting him I mean it's not his fault who drafted him and when so you know people were getting on him immediately for that and that was a pretty small group of people I think but then you know it it's been getting to be a longer list over time and as this team loses they're gonna need more and more scapegoats and he's a real easy target and I don't want that to happen to him um, so I was I was more pissed it happened for that reason um, I, I I wanted him if that was going to happen, I would hope that he had like built more credibility other than like two games of you know flashiness. But right. whatever, it, I, I'm okay with guys getting in fight. Whatever, just don't hurt yourself like throwing fists at helmets and stuff like that. I'm glad he's not hurt from that. Um, um, I will say though, with Tony exceeding my expectations, a lot of people like to throw the South Carolina clip right from uh, mm-hmm. where he just kind of runs through like six potential tacklers. That's right. I love that clip, and it's really fun to watch. But it's me too. <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys on that South Carolina secondary that were any good. 
Um, and it, it's not JC Horn and coverage on him either. So right. it's fun, and I love. But I always kept that in mind. It's like, how many of these guys are even making it to the NFL that he's running yeah, past? Yeah, but it is an SEC defense. So no, no, a, no. I know that. I know that. I'm, it's not. This isn't in Southwest North Carolina regional state for the ball. No, 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 no. I I know all of that. That's not my point. My point is not at the college level. I knew who he was. My question was is like how much of his electricity is going to hold up in the NFL. And and that clip in particular because he's really just outrunning the shit out of those guys. Yesterday he showed me that his electricity holds up because he's still getting better. I, I truly believe that. Um, if he had that game at Florida against South Carolina, the, the, the way he just played against Dallas, I mean, I mean he would have had like six touchdowns in this game. <laughs> it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, the problem why he didn't have the big numbers, again, because... There was a lot of talent. I mean, the team had Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Right. That's your number one target, who's an you know an all timer in college at the tight end position. So, you know, if he's on a team like let's say the '98 Florida team where they had one receiver and they threw to that guy 15 times a game, God knows what his numbers are. But you know, when you're on talented college teams, you're going to share the rock a lot. He's going to have his you know chances. We're going to see now with how long Mike Lennon's the quarterback. How many opportunities he really does get and the chance to be in successful positions but mm. he's a keeper and you know again it's his fifth game is his rookie year people are so quick to say bust when it's like can we let the guy play like a year or two before we make those decisions yeah um stars and farts yeah well we already hit on my my some some stuff here my red zone play calling and the run defense those were my two farts um i mean it's it was hard to narrow it down to anything so i saw no point in narrowing it down to three i felt two was good enough i special teams as a whole i just gave a big fart i thought Mm -hmm. it was awful i thought Mm -hmm. first of all graham Gino misses a field goal Mm -hmm. you know he's gonna be on my shit list um you know just cd lamb had some nice returns you know just you know just a bad job of coverage. It just yeah. uh, it was I a think shank. Riley punt. Dixon's first punt was a shank. It was a shank. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just an overall fart for a unit which we expect, you know, the eyes dotted and the t's crossed with Joe Judge. So very disappointing on my part about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, just the whole game is just a deflating fart. It just, you know, we've hit that point in the season now where. One and four, they're not catching Dallas most likely, and with your most important players could be on the shelf for quite a while. I'm really worried about, you know, that locker room. I'm worried about, you know, can Joe Judge keep it together with this team? Because now we're in year two, and this could snowball out of control. We have a a daunting schedule for the next five, six weeks. I mean, it's not inconceivable this team could be one and eight. Then what? No, you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, That's what's so. We're in the same position. It's I will like, say, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I will say that I feel better about Joe Judge holding this locker room together than I did Pat Shermer and back Ben McAdoo. Yeah. Um, mainly because Joe Judge already has the credibility, and I think he's built a staff of guys that are a lot like him. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of like coaching favorites in the locker room or anything like that. I think. I think I he's built a strong enough coaching. No, I, I get it. I just, it, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I think the players knew the expectations going into it. With with, with Ben McAdoo, I, I think he's just too much of a player's coach. 
Uh, it couldn't I change to being hard ass. I think he was in over his head. I think he wasn't ready to be a head coach at the time. Yeah, and, and Pat Shermer was definitely too much of a players coach. I don't think he he was much of a hard ass at all. I, I, I you know, whatever. But I, I feel a little bit better about Joe Judge handling it than them, even though he's inexperienced. I just I think they knew who I, they were playing for immediately. I don't think it's so hard for them to accept punishment and you know the grind from him. We're at twenty one games now with Joe Judge. That's his twenty first game, sixteen and five. Sixteen and five. I have it to be determined on Joe Judge. I mean, oh, is it great? Absolutely. It's just my yeah, gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah, my gut feeling is you know I don't know. I mean, a lot of it. You know, the conservatism is a major concern of mine. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you know, and we'll see. Like, maybe this thing with, you know, the punch is just a random occurrence. But I want to see how this team handles adversity. I mean, is this a team that's going to yeah. lose its cool after every game? You know, especially as the season kind of wears on and, you know, the losses are probably going to start compounding. I mean, they got the Rams, they got Kansas City coming up. And, and that Rams care. game, you can expect chippiness. It's going to oh, happen. God. With Aaron yeah. Donald, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna happen. And you know that Kansas City game, you know something. Kansas City's on a, they're a little bit in the muck right now. But guess what? They're probably licking their chops already. You know, looking at this, this defense and something. And that might be just one of those. Oh, I guess Kansas City's okay kind of game. And it's just gonna get worse and worse. So what's gonna? How's this team gonna handle it? That's my big question. Yeah, no, I have no idea either. I can guarantee you, Kansas City is looking nowhere near us. If they if they're looking that far in the future, they're looking right past us. <laughs> I don't blame them at all. But that, yeah, but I'm saying that Patrick Mahomes' dumb little brother could throw for 500 right, yards. Right, but they're looking, But right now, that that team is scuffing right now. They yeah, no, I, I, they I get your point. need a game like the Giants to be like, okay, let's stop the bleeding. Let's prove we're still one of the elite teams in this league, and they couldn't get us at a better time. I mean, probably this week would be the best time for them. But you know, next Monday night, you know, they'll be at home. We're not Buffalo. Let's put it that yeah. way. It's so. going to be a real pleasure being the Akron Zips. Um, yeah. We'll I do want to mention... be their homecoming team. That's fine. <laughs> um, I do want to mention some guys that played good. I gave star to Kadarius Tony. I assume that was obvious. Uh, 10, 10 catches and 13 targets for 189 yards. Um, you know, two, two insane catches on the sideline there. Uh, and very nearly had a touchdown. Not, uh, not very, to put you on the spot, but what was the most receiving yards uh, Beckham had in the game for the Giants? He surpassed Beckham. Oh, ever? With the I Giants. Think that, um, I don't know. I don't know. I do know that Beckham's Beckham had the rookie franchise record for most yards in a game by a rookie, and he beat it. Um, in this game, and then immediately got ejected. One eighty nine is a huge number for. That's a, that's a massive. That's a massive number for a rookie. That's like a Calvin Johnson number. Considering half the game was with a backup quarterback, <laughs> makes it even more impressive. Yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of his yard. I think at least fifty percent of his yard. No, I think it was more than that. More than that, we're with Clinton. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to give a star to Austin Johnson. Okay. Austin Johnson has been a consistently solid defensive lineman on both the running downs and passing downs, and nothing more than that. But in this game, one sack and two tackles for a lost, I mean, that looks star-worthy on this defense. And statistically, it's actually not bad. So um, 
I'm gonna, that this is kind of like a makeup star. He's had good games, but they were always just kind of in my honorable mention you like category. Like star, <laughs> but but kind of it, yeah. It kind of I feel dumb doing this, but kind of it was just like, yeah, he had a good game, but it was like, is that star worthy? But now it's like he's strung a couple of them in a row. I feel like his overall performance is, you know, he's made a collective first quarter of the season star. I, I'll, I'll fine, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Hey, look, we make the rules. It's our show. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm. It's want. a thing. I'm um, going to give a star to the Grump for changing the rules and had to be a star because we need a lot of help this year. So you get a star, Grump. Thank you. Thank you. I wear it proudly in my chest. Yes. I have a star for Lorenzo Carter for that pick. Yeah, that was a big play and a big, a very beginning. Yeah. A very big, very athletic play, very important play. You know, at the time, very important. But this is a defense is struggling to make plays and you know, get the turnovers and do that. So I'm going to give him a star because again, our bars for our bars for stars are pretty low this year. And uh, if you do something well, you're going to get a star most likely. So I'll give Lorenzo a star for that. I'm going to throw an honorable mention towards Evan Ingram. Um, okay. Four catches on four targets and like three of them looked really hard. <laughs> Definitely two of them, 55 yards. Um, yeah. He had one on the sideline that I swore that they, they had the wrong call on because there, I was like, there's no way he got both feet in. <laughs> and on that replay, I was like stunned. Not only that he got both feet in, but that the official saw it so clearly. I mean, it was it was a pretty damn good catch. And he, he takes a lot of criticism. I thought, you know, without the all 22 uh, for me showing him, I'm sure he got trucked in some blocking plays. So well, honorable mention. Let's be frank. I mean... We have to either showcase him if somebody wants to trade for him, or we're going to need him. You know, if Galladay's out for a while, we need all the weapons we can get. So he's just, we don't want him to be a wasted roster spot doing nothing. So baby steps. You know, this was maybe the start of his rehabilitation. I think he's too far gone for this team, you know, certainly in the long term uh, yeah. scheme. But for this year where we're going to need his help. It's good to see him kind of showing some some signs. Other than that, I got nothing else on this at all. I'm looking at my list right here, guys. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Looks bad. I haven't really even figured out yet. Usually by now I know which drive I'm going to do for the defining drive. I, I might just do that red zone play calling. I really have no idea. The All-22 is not out yet. So that will come out Wednesday yep. evening. I have a drive of the game. So I was staying at my parents down in Florida. <laughs> I was able, there's three traffic lights in between their house and the bar. I watched the game at that in the Rays game. I hit all three green lights. I didn't have to stop for one. It wasn't even a yellow. I timed it perfectly. That's my drive of the game. Wow. It's me getting to the bar. Yeah. That, it was all is... downhill from there. <laughs> very, very disappointing. As uh, is typical with the cranky fan at the bar. Yeah. You know, Unfortunately, gang, we're, we're at that point of the year again where it's just kind of we're resigned to the fact that this season is most likely over. You know, when, this is a division. We're not getting a wild card out of this division. These teams all stink. Dallas is in the position to potentially run away with it. Now it's just, you know, you hope Daniel Jones comes back soon because this season's really about his development. I don't think it's a question of his a decision making for him like we, is he our quarterback or not I think it's he needs reps he needs to keep playing you yeah. know and develop into the guy um, 
you know, I, I saw a list the season ended today, you know, what the uh, our draft status would be, which to me is as useless as if the season ended today, what would be in the playoffs. You know, we still have two thirds of a season left, but, you know, there's a very good chance. And I can't believe we're going to be saying this, that our draft pick will be better than the pick we traded for with Chicago. That's very frustrating, but. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But, well, we uh, always assumed that if that were the case, that it would be because Daniel Jones fell apart. I don't think we ever assumed that we would feed half apart. of our – Well, we yeah, basically that, that half of our roster would fall into the meat grinder by accident. So, you know, in all honesty, if, if we get into the situation where we're picking where we could get a quarterback and don't need one and don't want one, then that's a pretty enviable position to be in because you know that that's true. that first round pick can become multiple first round picks. Who the hell knows? It, I don't really want to get into the draft talk though. So, and remember the guy. Okay, I'll leave with this: that Spencer Rattler, who everybody thought was going to be the number one pick, his quarterback got benched yeah. in the Red River rivalry this year. So this isn't a year where there's an Andrew Luck or there's a Peyton Manning, you know, or Trevor Lawrence out there. So. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this team. Um, yeah, if they're going to... Let's get these guys healthy to start and just to see what we have to work with. I mean, decisions have to be made about Saquon Barkley. Oh, yeah. I can't stay healthy. It sucks. Never thought that that would be... In all honesty, like, all of my draft evaluations... The Saquon Barkley can't stay healthy would not have ever appeared in my notes based on everything I watched on him. It really couldn't have predicted the injury. I mean, I knew he would be worse in the NFL. You know, you got better talent, you know, and, and quite frankly, he was playing on a worse team where he was going to be getting hit more and trying to do more than he should have to do. But the amount of, I mean, just walking and stepping on somebody's foot and having an insane looking sprain, I mean, that's actually kind of what it, just about every sprained ankle looks like, but yeah, I um, mean, it's just that's that is losers lose something like that happening to a team like this. You never see, you know, on good teams those type of freak injuries happening. It's <laughs> losers like us. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> well, for more um, bright and cheery and sunny stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I am just lambasting Troy Aikman for his pathetic. I want to talk about this actually. Troy Aikman, Go for it. I, I'm just going to mention this. In all of my years being a Giants fan who's had some kind of opinion on the internet, I have never been one to say that Troy Aikman has a significant Cowboys bias against the Giants. I've never really thought that it was, you know, I, I always thought that he kind of called it like he saw it. But I will say that on Sunday this afternoon, he was at his worst. And I don't think it was an against the Giants kind of thing. It was, he was like, he was stoked that the Cowboys were finally good. That yeah. they were four, that they were basically four and one and creamed this other team. I mean, he was straight up lying about things at a certain point. He's like, they, they sent everybody to, ha- to to help Nate Solder on that play, and they show the replay, and this, that absolutely didn't happen. And, like, just, I mean, he was just like, he said something ridiculous, like Al Harris has is going to be getting head coaching calls if Trayvon Diggs keeps playing the way he's playing, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And it, it's, like, kind of light hyperbole, but, like, is it? 
Um, Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Grump. And this is a, it applies to all sports. And you know, I probably got banned from Twitter last night for going off after the end of the baseball game. Perception is everything. It is everything in sports. Next to the final score, perception is all. And whether it's perceiving that something is rigged or not, or perceiving someone is biased or not, if enough people believe it, it is. And the problem with with Troy Aikman, you know, that they, they foxes so many cowboy games is that you perceive you meaning everybody, not just you, you, but everybody perceives him to be a homer. I mean, it's only natural. The guy played there forever. He'll always be known as the cowboy quarterback. And sure, you know, he I think he still lives in Dallas. I think he does a radio spot in, in Dallas every week. How can he not? You know, he's in a very small fraternity of, of quarterbacks that, that coach the position. I mean, it's interesting. Have you watched a CBS game with Dallas with Tony Romo doing Cowboys? Mm, probably like one or two. Yeah, I'm trying to think when watching that, does do you get the sense that he's biased towards Dallas? I think I think Tony Romo he, he's not really yeah he's he's so positive about whoever he's watching that it doesn't if if it is i mean he's obviously got more insight and he'll he'll tell you things about the coaching staff about jerry right. jones right. that he knows because he was there and players he played with like he's des bryant he's got a lot of info and on he's not but. A, go giants gruden who just thought every the last quarterback he saw is the greatest quarterback of all time and he's not a you know, he's not a Collinsworth who's just kind of like, you know, he's a smoocher too. He just is, is so excited watching a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Aikman is – he just doesn't add anything to the broadcast. Yeah, it almost feels like in order to fill the void, he's got to suck up to somebody or say that somebody did something good. He's like the Mike and Mike of, of announcers. He's safe, gives you the headlines, gives you the obvious things. But, again, we live in a world where – People listening to this podcast are listening to a very specific football show and probably have multiple ones they listen to, whether it's Giants or NFL. They read a lot. They get a, they don't get just get their information from the local sports radio station or the local newspaper. They know their stuff. And when you come down to somebody on a Sunday who dumbs things down and you get no insight from, it's frustrating. And yeah. that's what he is. He's no insight Aikman. He just vanilla, not gonna ruffle any feathers. Just play it straight. He, he's he's an analyst for people who are blind. Yeah, that's it. he's just gonna tell you exactly what you could see on the screen. Yeah. Nothing more. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I'm bitching about Troy Aikman. Apparently, I wish the only thing I could be bitching about right now would be Troy Aikman, but I can't. Catch me at the Cranky Fan, where. Um, by the time you get this on Tuesday morning, I'll either be getting ready to fly down to St. Pete for a game five, or I will be wandering the streets aimlessly, wondering what happened to my baseball team and why they were eliminated. Wondering why my football team is basically being eliminated. I don't know. I am on pins and needles right now. Um, this probably is the best possible week for the Giants to lay this, you know, massive turd and injury fest because I've been a little distracted, so... But, you know, this is going to end soon enough, and we'll be back to kind of sorting out what we do the rest of this year. So for everybody who follows me, thank you for sticking with me, and uh, we'll get through this together. All right, everyone. We will see you on Friday morning. 
Go Giants. Go Giants.